We will continue with our consecutive preaching through the epistle to the Ephesians. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read the chapter, then pray. Uh, Then we shall consider verse 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself through the pages of scripture. And now, Lord, as we seek to dig and to expound it, we pray that you may help help us all, help my hearers to be faithful in their hearing. Uh, even with the distractions around us, we pray that uh, uh, our ears may be attentive to that which is most important, your word. We pray that you may help me as well as I open my mouth to proclaim your truth. We pray that words may be given to me to speak of the glories of Christ. Help that your word may, uh, may speed ahead, may run, may run like an Olympic athlete and accomplish its purposes in the hearts of your people. We pray that for those who are lost, those who are perishing, those who are in darkness, that your word, that the gospel might shine forth and open their hearts and save them from their wickedness and rescue them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your marvelous light. We pray that uh, uh, you, may, uh, you may bless us and visit us. We pray that you, you may send your spirit to invade our hearts and uh, it, that uh, your truth may be stirred in us. And we pray that uh, we, may, we may delight in your truth, that as we hear the preaching of your word, uh, we may be filled with joy and gladness. Grant us, Lord, much help for these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> in order for a person to enter into the Christian life, there is one vital thing that is required of them. Repentance towards God. They must turn away from their sin and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. They must trust upon Jesus Christ as the substitute and sacrifice for their sin. When a person enters the Christian life, they begin that life with repentance and faith. And that characteristic continues to be the dominant factor in the life of a Christian. Repentance and faith is the major theme which we will carry throughout our Christian life. And last time we consider that there are certain things we are to put away. And there are certain things we are to put on. 
And today, we are instructed what not to follow. It's important for us to realize that Christianity is not inclusive. Christianity is discriminative. It's a religion of discrimination. And in some aspect, discrimination is not a bad thing. When discrimination is based on false distinction and wrong criteria, it is wrong. But when discrimination is based on God's standard of right and wrong, of good and bad, of acceptable and not acceptable, then that discrimination is right. If we are to be imitators of God, as Vaswan says, we are to do certain things, and we are to not to do certain things. We must reject certain moral behavior and have nothing to do with them. In matters of morality and conduct, in which God has clearly spoken, God has declared his mind on the issue, we must choose to be right with God. And we must choose to put away everything that he has declared as evil. We must reject those who oppose the standard of God, of morality and conduct. It should not be a matter of indifference when it comes to morality and conduct. We must be able to use God's standard of discrimination and not man's standard. And so I ask you, whose standard do you use to discriminate between right and wrong, between good and evil, between that which is acceptable and not acceptable? Is it the culture? Is it the social media? Is it the world that defines to you what is right or wrong? This morning we come to the 11th verse of chapter 5, 11th and the 12th verse. And the sermon is titled, How to Walk as Children of Light. How to Walk as Children of Light. Notice in the 11th verse in the beginning that the children of light whom we considered last week bear the fruit of light verse 9 and the, and the fruit of light produces good right and true and obviously we saw that that's not the exhaustive um, categorization of everything that comes with righteous uh, with, with, with being in the kingdom of God that's only a descriptive of what happens when you become a Christian. That is fruit of light. And the Christian ought to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And so the first point I'd like you to see in verse 11 is that children of light reject works of darkness. Notice there, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. That the Christian is called to reject, to have nothing with it, And so, what are these works of darkness? The context tells us, when you go back to verse 3, sexual immorality, all impurity, all covetousness, all filthiness, all foolish talk, all crude joking, those are the works of darkness. 
mentioned in verse 3 and 4. And so the context itself tells us what are these works of darkness. In Romans chapter 13 verse 12, we see a further listing of these works of darkness. He says, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in, day, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We're told that we are to cast off the works of darkness. These are deeds that are contrary to the law of God. These are works that are in violation to what God has said. Why are they called works of darkness? This is because they characterize unsaved people. Look at verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This describes the previous condition of those who are saved. These are people who have not repented of their sins and received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. These are people who are in the state of darkness because they are under the dominion of Satan who is, of course, the prince of darkness. They're in the state of darkness because they rebel against the light of nature. You see, creation and conscience bear witness. They can tell us what is right and wrong. Yet these people rebel against that light. These people are in the state of darkness because they rebel against the light of Scripture. The word of God is impressed upon them, but they reject it. They mock it. They ridicule it. They do not want it to expose their deeds because they are walking in darkness. And so they reject the light of scripture. These people are in darkness because they reject the light of Christian testimony. The Bible says that Christians shine as light in the world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. When you live your life in a morally upright, obedient to God, then you shed light upon people's behavior. These works of darkness, as we considered last week, will ensure that these people will be cast off into outer darkness where they will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You see, these people engage in works of darkness in spite of a clear revelation of truth. They do this in rebellion against light. There's a particular word there in verse 11 that is attached to this word, darkness. The word unfruitful. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that their sin does not produce any result. It produces a result, but it cannot be called a fruit. Because in the scripture, the word fruit is used for something that is 
good, beneficial, positive, and a blessing. And so there is nothing by way of positive benefit that wickedness brings. People may think, if I indulge in sin, I may gain satisfaction, power, success. But sin does not bring it. The tree of sin is barren of any blessing. Those who are cultivating tree of wickedness, there is no fruit there. There is misery, there is sorrow, there is pain, there is lack of peace. You see, sin promises a lot of things, but it does not produce any fruit. That's why it's called deceitful. Sin is deceitful. It brings blindness, disgrace, pain, burden. Job says, in Job 33 verse 27, he sings before men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, and it was not repaid to me. He says that I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it did not profit me anything. You see, that's the conclusion. To pursue sin is to pursue loss. There's no profit in it. And so the work of darkness are those things that are contrary to the law of God. And so what's your responsibility as a Christian in relation to these works? It says, take no part. Reject. The Bible says, have no fellowship with them. Verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them. And the word for fellowship there is the idea to participate, to be a partaker. Let me ask, how do we fellowship? How do we take part in the unfruitful work of darkness? First of all, the first way we participate in it is to, is to do the same th sins that the world does. As a Christian, you do the same sins that the world does. You see, we participate in the unfruitful work of darkness when we sin just like the world. By doing what they are doing. You're providing encouragement to them in doing wrong. You're also setting an example for those who have not done wrong. The Bible says we are all to abstain impurities from all kinds of impurities and evil. We are to abstain from evil itself. There's another way that we can take part in the unfruitful work of darkness. It is by helping others commit those sins. Helping others commit those sins. If we aid and abet others to commit sins, we are fellowshipping with the unfruitful work of darkness. For instance, if we persuade and give counsel and entice others into sin, we are an accessory to the crime. For instance, when you have Christians running alcohol business, they are aiding and abating wickedness. They are encouraging evil. Or if a parent tells a child to lie, the parent is fellowshipping in that child's sin. See, if you're compelled to commit a sin by someone who is of a high authority, it could be your employer, your parent, your pastor, the government, you are fellowshipping with the works of darkness. 
Another way we can participate in the work of darkness is by giving our consent to the sin of others. Giving our consent to the sin of others. You remember the story of Elijah when he confronted Ahab about Naboth vineyard. Um, he tells him he tells Ahab that you're the one who killed Naboth. But we know very well that it was Jezebel who made the arrangements for Naboth to be killed. And it was men who who killed who killed Naboth. And when the prophet Elijah confronts Naboth, he tells him in in First Kings chapter twenty one then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? Remember that it was Jezebel who laid up the plot. He conspired and, and brought false allegations against Naboth. And hired men to kill him. And Hab, we are told here, is as much guilty. He participated in that sin. He gave his consent to that sin. And so when we give consent to the sin of others, we are fellowshipping with the works of darkness. Another way we may participate in the work of darkness is by applauding and approving the sins of others applauding and approving the sins of others and this is what happens majorly when Christians watch movies what you're doing when you're watching people engage in acts of violence, murder vulgar talk, sexual immorality and you're being entertained and you're enjoying it, what you're doing is you're applauding it, you're approving of it, Romans 1, 1 verse 32 says Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And so that's why you should not participate in what is an abomination to the Lord. And then finally, we participate in the works of darkness by not preventing sin when we come, when we can. By not preventing sin when we come. You see, we are called to resist the devil. We are called to defeat sin when you can. And there's an example in First Samuel chapter 3 verse 13 of Eli that he failed to restrain his sons from having sexual immorality with women who are serving in the temple and stealing from the temple. And in First Samuel 3 13 we read, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. God says Eli was participating in the sins of his sons. Eli had a double relationship with his children, remember. 
that they were his sons and they were also serving with him as priests. Eli could have chosen to eject them from the priesthood because he had power and authority. But he chose not to. You see, omission of duty makes us guilty of sin. When we fail to avoid the unfruitful work of darkness, we lose reverence for God, God's name is blasphemed, and the world is hardened to its sin because we encourage it. Our peace is also destroyed. So you see very clearly there that Christian is not to participate, is, is to reject works of darkness. And it's to reject it by not doing the sins that the world does, by not helping others to commit those sins, by not giving their consent to the sin of others, by not applauding and approving the sin of others, and finally, by preventing, by, by not preventing when they can they participate in the unfruitful work of darkness. Secondly, we're told at the end of verse 11 that to, for you to walk as, a children of, as children of light, you are to rebuke works of darkness. Look at the end of verse 11, but instead expose them, reprove it, re- rebuke it. Our responsibility goes beyond rejecting to what? To rebuking, to reproving it. We are to rebuke lies of other people. You see, you're not only concerned as a Christian about your moral behavior, but also about the moral behavior of other people. Obviously, we need to be careful in making assessments and judgments about people because we cannot judge motives but we need you can judge actions and so you should not only be concerned about your moral behavior but also the moral behavior of others you cannot sit back while others go on in sin and do nothing about it we should be able to reprove the conduct and the action of men you remember Joseph and Potiphar's wife by his refusal to participate in the sin of adultery here, Potiphar's wife became irritated. She wanted him to participate, but Joseph was adamant that he was not going to participate in it. By not approving of it, by not participating in it, we are told in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4, that for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. You see, sometimes you don't need to say anything. You just need to live righteously in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation and that light shines to the world. And we're told here that the world is surprised that you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And what do they do? They set you apart. They malign you. 
You see, our conduct as children of God will expose their evil behavior. And it will bring shame to them. We are told of Ezekiah when he was when he became king of Israel and he was seeking to bring reforms. He sought to bring proper worship in the temple. And the people said, Yes, let's worship God. We are told that the priests were ashamed. In 2 Chronicles 30, verse 15, he says, And they slaughtered, slaughtered the Passover lamp of the, on the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed, so that they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. You see, by their good works, they provoked the priests and the Levites to do good works. We also to reprove them by our words. When you see someone in sin and you do not reprove them, you do not rebuke them, you do not correct them, what you're doing, you're manifesting hatred towards that person. In Leviticus 19 verse 17, we are told, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. He's saying, when you see your brother committing sin, you fail to warn them. What you're doing is you're hating them. Failure to rebuke them. You're, you're, you're destroying that person. You, see, if you saw someone crossing a river manifested with crocodiles, and you, say, and you say nothing to them concerning their direction of travel, you see, you're manifesting hatred by not warning them. And so the Christian... Should not, should not only reject in verse 11, the first part, take no part, but should also expose sin. Should also rebuke, reprove sin. And then lastly, verse 12, how do you walk as children of light? We are told, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Children of light do not speak about works of darkness without a purpose children of light do not speak about works of darkness without a purpose see verse 12 gives us the reason why the rebuke is given this is why it must be they must be reproved the question that first of all may arise here is how do we reprove those who engage in the works of darkness if it is shameful to speak about these works of darkness, how can you reprove them if we cannot speak about what they have done? Because verse 12 tells us that it is shameful to speak about the things of darkness. So should we not speak about them? You see, what it is saying here is that we ought not to speak about works of darkness unless it is in the context of reproving them. It's in the context of rebuking. In other words, to speak about the works of darkness with idle curiosity, or stimulating interest, or by way of humor, or by way of shocking other people. Paul says it is shameful. 
to speak in that fashion. In, in that fashion. Notice the context in verse 11 and 12 that verse 13 says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Verse 13 says that all things that are reproved are exposed by the light. So clearly then, verse 12 is not telling us that we, should, we cannot address them. Because verse 13 says, you address them. And furthermore, the scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, when it speaks about works of darkness, it describes them in reproving terms. It's not in a way of encouraging people. And so, to speak of unfruitful work of darkness in any other context is shameful. You need to realize that Paul does not say that you, you should ne never mention these sins in any circumstances. Because he himself mentions these sins in many of his letters. And so the lesson for you in this verse is we are forbidden to verbally convey the works of darkness unless it is in the context of reproving them. And so I have four reasons why the Bible says it is shameful to speak about these works of darkness. First of all, the first reason why it is shameful to speak about them is not speaking of them is a show of hatred towards them. Not speaking of them is a show of hatred towards them. You see, if you hate something, you'll not be speaking about it all the time. You'll not even want to acknowledge their presence. You see, when you ignore something, you're acknowledging that it is utter worthlessness. It's a show of disdain. Isn't it? When someone decides not to speak to you, not, or not even to look at you, it is, it is it's describing to you that you're worthless to them, isn't it? That they disdain you. The same with mentioning these works of darkness. The same technique is to be used here. Those things should not be found in a mouth of a Christian because we hate them. We should not acknowledge them in our common speech. What we are saying here is that unfruitful works of darkness are of very little value to a Christian and we disdain them. We will not break God's law to speak about them in that fashion. David says in Psalm 16 verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. David is saying he will not even mention the names of false gods because he despises them. He has contempt for them. And so he will not allow his lips to name them. The Israelites in Exodus chapter 23 verse 13 are warned Pay attention to all that I have said to you and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. 
Moses is saying that the name of false gods should not be uttered in their lips because they are detestable. Because if you talk about something that is detestable, you're giving it respect. You're elevating it. And so by, by way of talking about the unfruitful works of darkness, without reproving them, it is a step of accepting it. It's, it's a step of participating in those sins. That's why the nation of Israel are warned not to speak about other gods. Rather, heap contempt about, upon them. Because the more you speak about them, the more you talk about them, the more it becomes acceptable. The more you, 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 you may be inclined to participate in those sins. And then secondly, we must not verbally convey works of darkness because we are desensitized to sin. We are desensitized to sin. That's another reason why we should not openly, carelessly traffic, verbally traffic these works of darkness. You see, it's a, it's a principle that when sinful things are often spoken about, they become familiar to us. They lose their offense and loathing that they should provoke. You see, for instance, in most of our traditional culture, to live together without consent by their family was a shock. It was disgraceful. But you see, the society today, it is nothing. It is casual. It has no impact. It has been spoken of to the point that people are desensitized about that evil. When you hear about murder in the news bulletin, it should be met with outrage and disgust. But the more you listen to it, it becomes casual. It has no impact. It's no longer abhorrent. It becomes familiar. That's why when you speak of sin, it should be in the context of reproving it so that its abhorrence can be maintained, so that it can be reinforced in our minds and our perceptions that it is disgusting. When that does not happen, we are desensitized towards sin. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that it is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. Paul is saying that there are sins that even the pagans do not do that these Christians in Corinth were doing. That, pag that for the pagans, it was abhorrent to even talk about it. Christians should maintain and abstain from mention of such sins lest they lose their sensitivity lest the sin becomes less offensive to them. Thirdly, <clears throat> by using euphemism, euphemism to describe them. By using euphemism to describe them. You see, when you use euphem euphemism, 
you lessen the degree of how bad it is so that people can say we are in a calm we stay relationship but what they are doing is fornicating people can, psychology can talk about alcoholics instead of drunkards you see when people tolerate diversity instead of saying we are tolerating wickedness you see using another phrase to make it acceptable is 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 wrong these phrases lessen and lessen the offense and it becomes more and more palatable to people and so giving ugly scenes pleasant names we reduce the offense of them and we desensitize people to the evil of it and so we need to be careful that we do not verbally traffic works of darkness especially with euphemistic phrases because they become easy for us to commit and then fourthly by constantly mentioning these works of darkness you provoke others to commit such sins you provoke others to commit such sins because such sins they may be a stumbling block to other people because we realize our temptations and weaknesses to certain sins and so the mention of them stirs up emotions of a weak person and they become vulnerable to commit such sins you see sin has a powerful influence upon a person's mind that's why advertising is very successful because the aim of it is to stir up your desire and when your desire is stirred up over and over again you're moved to action to purchase that product you see if you put an idea on someone's mind enough times and consistently then it becomes irresistible to them especially when it comes to the sins of the flesh when sin is set before us over and over again we not only become desensitized because we have particular weaknesses in that area but we also we also become attracted to it that's why he says it is shameful to speak about such things we are warned not to speak about works of darkness unless it is in the context of reproving we're told in first kings chapter 21 verse 25 there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the lord like ahab whom jezebel his wife incited he acted very abominably in going after idols as the amorites had done whom the lord cast out before the people of israel how did jezebel incite ahab into sin by constantly inciting him day in day out encouraging him solomon had the same problem with his wives and he says in proverbs chapter 7 verse 21 about this prostitute immoral woman that with much seductive speech she persuades him with her smooth talk she compels him all at once he follows her 
as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. You see the influence of that prostitute upon that young man, that she seduces him with sweet words. You see, works of darkness can entice us to fall. When you speak about these things without condemning them, what we are doing is we are provoking other people. We are in inciting them. We are inviting them to commit it. That's why it is shameful to speak about these works of darkness. And then, fifthly and lastly, <clears throat> if we delight to speak about such things, it is an indication of a corrupt heart. If we delight to speak about these works of darkness, it is a sign that we have a corrupt heart. You see, what a person delights in, he loves to talk about, isn't it? And Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 34, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? How can you speak good when you are evil? And the answer is, they could not. You cannot speak good when you are evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If someone verbally peddles the things of darkness, it reveals the condition of their heart. To speak about these things is to long to do those things. Jesus says in Matthew 15 verse 18, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Those things that come out of our mouth reveal the condition of our heart. And so the, we need to be careful not to speak of them. We need also to be careful not to listen to them. You see, our ears should just be as guilty as our mouths. If we enjoy listening to juicy bit of information about works of darkness, then it reveals the condition of our heart. You may, want, you may wonder, why do topics about um, secret lives of people, scandals, they quickly spread and they quickly trend in the social media. Why? Why are they so popular? It is because people delight in the sins of others. Such sins are so attractive to a corrupt heart that people want to listen, people want to dig, people want to watch. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 4 says, an evildoer listens to wicked lips and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. You see, a man's character is also determined by what he listens. If he's an evildoer, he wants to listen to wicked lips. If he's a liar, he wants to listen to a mischievous tongue. And he's a wicked liar by virtue that he gives his ears to listen. And so what he listens reveals his character. 
Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. We are not to allow anything to flow into our ears, into our heart. But only that which is honorable, that which is just, that which is pure, that which is lovely, commendable, and excellent. Philippians 4.8 says, If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then lastly, we'll have a number of applications. First application is avoid exposure to the works of darkness whenever possible. Avoid exposure to the works of darkness whenever possible. Obviously, sometimes it's not possible. You may be in a situation where you're employed with someone with a foul language because we live in a society that is um, entangled in all kinds of evil. But by avoiding works of darkness, you keep yourself from sin. Do not read literature or listen or watch about the works of darkness. Do not keep company with people who peddle sexual immorality and all these kinds of sins and foul language and all kinds of filthiness. Walk away from such talks. When someone begins to tell you about works of darkness, walk away from them. Have nothing to do with them because it is shameful to speak about those things. Do not tolerate such behavior. In movies, in television, do not see what your eyes ought not to see. If you're a parent, it's important to protect your child from works of darkness, from people who speak about works of, from people who approve of them. Keep your children away from them. You need to be careful with who your children hang around with because their ears get filled with all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of ideas. And so you need to be careful with the people they interact with. You need to restrain their curiosity against evil. You need to guard their souls. And then secondly, if we have to speak about such sins, if we have to speak, it is very necessary for us to speak about works of darkness. Then it ought to be, in biblical terms, the context of reproof. Avoid euphemism, call it as it is, because derogatory terms should be used to, 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 to describe derogatory behavior. We are not to use good terms for bad behavior. We should avoid neutrality. When such sins are happening, we should condemn them as they are. You must condemn them as the Bible says they are gross sins. And the reason I should say is not because we are better than others or we are holier than, than them. We don't think that we have a higher moral ground than others. The reason is it's because it upholds the honor of God. God himself has declared what is right and wrong. And we too must do as well if we are to be imitators of God. And then thirdly, we are to bring light and conviction to sinners. We are to bring light and conviction to sinners. How will they know that these works of darkness are an abomination to God? How will they know 
that whatever they are committing brings them under the wrath of God. By reproving them, brethren, we are loving them. We are bringing them to a biblical realization of the state of their heart and their need for mercy. We are telling them to flee to Christ for mercy and grace before it's too late. You see, to reprove these sins is an act of love. It's not an holier-than-thou behavior, but it's to say that I love you so much, I will not let you continue living in this sin. We must be wise as well in the way that we reprove others. 2 Timothy 2.23 says that have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Regarding such people, we must be patient with them, gentle with them, and he says here that you, may be, you should be able to teach them. You must be careful with the way that you bring the reproof, with gentleness, with compassion, realizing that this person is in bondage to sin, and that unless God is merciful to them, they will continue to live in sin. You see, sin opposes our best interest. And there's nothing good in it. We need to be careful with the when, the how, and the what of correcting someone. And then fourthly, as a Christian, strive to uphold God's standard. Strive to uphold God's standard. How will people know God's standard if you do not uphold it? If you do not uphold it in your behavior, in your words, how will people know God's standard of righteousness? You see, wherever you go, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. And you are to uphold God's moral standard. You are not to allow shameful activities to take place or be propagated in the name of honoring diversity and being welcoming. We must be bold and faithful in holding our generation to God's standard. We're told in Proverbs 28 verse 1 that the righteous are bold as a lion. And indeed, may God help us to be bold. May God help us to be a light in the midst of a perverse and crooked generation. That we may love souls that are perishing, love them enough to tell them the truth, and point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you may help us to submit to your word, to live according to it, Grant us your grace that these things may be inculcated into our lives, that we may seek to walk according to them. Forgive us for all our sins, Lord, and cleanse us from every unrighteousness. Help us that uh, we will reject all kinds of wickedness. We will expose them. We will reprove them. And that we will have nothing to do with them 
as far as our speech is concerned, unless it is in the context of reproof. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.